Hello there, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5. KPL, glad to be with y'all. It is Friday. It is not too bad uh, outside right now. Uh, the weather forecast seemed to indicate something might be rolling through a little bit later today. But uh, but right now, things are fine, and, and things are, are looking like uh, you can get out and enjoy some time out there, although it is really warm. Uh, so I, I coached middle school soccer, and uh, we had three games this week. And thank God that our the, the, the boys' team that I coach, it's girls and boys, so the girls play first, boys play later. Thank God the boys' games were uh, starting after 6 when the sun started going down. Things were a little bit cooler because it was miserable out there. Uh, but that's just how the middle school soccer season goes. It's typically at the end of the year. But uh, it is just very warm out there. So if you do go outside, take some water with you. 232-1542. If you want to join in the conversation, I'm going to be a little all over the map, quite literally, today. And I want to start actually in Pennsylvania. There's a reason that I'm going over all this these next couple segments, because we need to understand where the Republicans are. I've talked a lot about where the Democrats are going into the midterm elections we need to understand where the Republicans are. And actually, before I go to Pennsylvania, I need to mention 1994. Now, I will be 34 in a month. Okay. The elections of 1994 were a little bit before my political awareness. However, unlike most of the journalists that like to espouse in these historic and dangerous and unprecedented times that we're living through, I've actually read a book. So I can... Uh, I can promise you I know a little bit of what I'm diving into, even though 1994, I was six years old. In 1994, the Republicans took back the House for the first time in like 40 years. As part of the Republican wave, Republican candidates were just getting swept into office, despite the fact that some of them weren't that great of a candidate. It was just the, the momentum was shifting so much. And as a result, there were a lot of Republican candidates who maybe shouldn't have been in office, but got in. Oftentimes we see in these possible wave years, there are candidates who are getting caught up in the momentum of that moment who maybe don't need to be in office. One of the more unsuccessful ones in recent memory Christine O'Donnell of uh, Nevada, who uh, the Republicans had a very good chance of beating Harry Reid, but uh, decided to go with Christine O'Donnell, who famously had to run the I'm not a witch, I'm not what you've heard, I'm just like you ad, uh, because there was a story that came out that she hung out with Wiccans in college or something, and and that just kind of devolved, it completely derailed an already poorly run campaign for a, a really poorly chosen candidate. But... Throughout history, especially on the Republican side, there are some on the Democrat side, but I'm focusing on Republicans right now. There are bad candidates, some of whom get swept into office on waves, some of whom don't make it despite the wave because they're simply not great candidates. In Pennsylvania right now, there is pretty much a three-way race for the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate. It's a seat Republicans need to hold. And right now it's kind of in jeopardy. The three candidates, the three primary Republican candidates, there are five total, but there are three in particular to look at. 
Dr. Mehmet Oz, the guy known as Dr. Oz in uh, from TV, is currently ahead, averaging about 2.3 points ahead of the other Republicans in the race. Scoring a late surge in Pennsylvania is Kathy Barnett. And then the candidate that I think most would probably say is the quote-unquote establishment candidate is Dave McCormick. And McCormick actually started out the race ahead. He was ahead of Oz. Uh, but Mehmet Oz has picked up a uh, pretty diff- uh, a pretty uh, a pretty good lead, some pretty good momentum. Um, and as a result, he's in the lead, and then you have this surge by Barnett that puts her just a little bit over McCormick. Now Oz has been endorsed by Donald Trump. And it's an endorsement that a lot of even Trump supporters are scratching their heads at. Now, what happened here, uh, from what the the whispers in the background are are kind of saying, is that Sean Hannity has been very big on Mehmet Oz. Uh, Hannity and Oz are friends, and so Hannity was pushing for Oz and actually convinced Trump to endorse Oz. Keep in mind that Oz, only a few months ago, stopped attacking Donald Trump. Oz has never been a conservative. He's pro-abortion, pro-gun control. Has not held a conservative has not held a conservative uh, opinion. And, and this isn't just speculation. You can actually go and see a bunch of televised interviews and, and TV segments and all that that verify that he's never been a conservative. So a lot of mainstream Republicans are looking at Dave McCormick. But this third candidate, Kathy Barnett, is an interesting one. She is a black female candidate. And she's currently facing an incredible amount of pushback from the Oz camp and from the McCormick camp. We're going to take a quick break. I want to go into why she's being attacked and whether or not these attacks have any validity here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with y'all today. Uh, by the way, just looking at the traffic board real quick, we have uh, we do have an updated uh, incident. There's a vehicle accident at the 4600 block of Ambassador Caffrey. It looks to be around women's and children's. So... Uh, be careful around there. Just be careful in general on my way here. A lot of cars on the road. I was on uh, I-10 westbound, and there was a little bit of a slowdown just because of the sheer number of cars. Y'all drive carefully uh, so that we don't get any accidents and any major uh, stoppage. Uh, not the le- not, not, not just because it would affect my going home, but just in general, I don't want y'all to be inconvenienced either. 232-1542, if you want to join in, be part of the show. So Kathy Barnett... Currently in second place, uh, if you look at the the polling and the polling averages right now, currently in second place in the Republican primary for Pennsylvania Senate. Now, why are you talking about the Pennsylvania Senate race, Joe? Trust me, there's a larger point to be made. I'm probably going to spend most of the show making it. But I I want to explain Kathy Barnett in particular. Uh, Jim Garrity at National Review has a pretty good breakdown uh, in the morning jolt this morning. I know I've, I talk about the morning jolt a lot. It's really a very good newsletter. Uh, should you want to sign up for it at national review? Uh, but 
Barnett's campaign is refusing to answer a lot of basic questions about Barnett's past. And like, for example, the military service that she is espousing, uh, the, the, there's a little bit of evidence out there, but there's a lot of people questioning whether or not she actually served. Uh, there are a lot of questions about where she grew up, her voter registration. Did she or did she not vote for Donald Trump? Uh, in, in her book, she wrote that she did not vote uh, in the she did not vote for Trump in the primary, but she said that she cast a vote for Trump in 2016. How could that mean in the general she voted for Trump? Possibly, but there's also no state record of her voting. So there's just a lot of uh, miscues in political messaging. And of course, that happens all the time. We don't want to hop on every single, um, you know, misspoken talking point. But there's not a whole lot of information on who Kathy Barnett is and where she came from. Now, you have... Like I said, Sean Hannity, other big media conservatives, Greg Kelly, some others who have been very, very quick to jump on the anti-Barnett train and have just been attacking her nonstop uh, to the point where a lot of black conservative friends of mine are now like, OK, wait, you're not leveling this type of attack at Dave McCormick. What's the deal? And yes, some of it could be about the lack of a past, the lack of a, a, a real traceable history for Kathy Barnett. But there, there does, you know, there, you seem to get the idea that a, a white candidate might not be treated this way. That's what a lot of black conservatives are thinking right now. And black conservatives are very, very open about pointing out, we want to be on your team, but if you're not welcoming us onto the team, that's an issue. And that's where I think some of the Barnett stuff honestly is coming from a little bit. The anti-Barnett stuff is coming from a lot of people who have just basically written off black voters. Uh, do not think they will ever leave the quote-unquote plantation, will not leave the Democrats. So it's not even, it's not even worth trying to find black candidates, trying to appeal to black voters. Uh, more on that later on the show because there's another issue that Republicans can win on there. But... There is a lot. There are a lot of these attacks on Kathy Barnett that do kind of seem very similar to the types of attacks that you would see if the motivation was race based. That's just what black conservatives are, are pointing out. And that is one of the biggest issues. That's why a lot of them are now speaking out and supporting Barnett, because they are seeing the same thing that they've seen time and time again. But Barnett does have some questions that she needs to answer. One of the questions she's answering about her past came out in a very powerful ad that I can see actually scoring her some more points in the Pennsylvania Republican primary for Senate. Uh, it's an ad, I think it's called My Story, but it's an ad that tells a very emotional story, her story as the product of rape. And in a moment historically where we are right now, if you are the product of rape and you're running for office and you have the Democrats who are losing their minds about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. This is a very powerful ad that can really connect with Republican voters. And it's the type of ad where you're made of much stronger stuff than I am if you don't come away from watching the ad a little bit choked up because it is just very, very emotional. But that's where we are with the Republican Senate race in, in Pennsylvania. Now, the reason it's important is, is what I started the show by saying. 
There are times, plenty of times historically, when Republican candidates who were maybe not actually meant for office won nominations or even won elections simply because of the wave, of that wave in that time period, 1994, um, 2010, 2014, you see these midterm elections, especially in big wave years. You see candidates who get on the ballot who maybe don't need to be there, but they win a nomination or they win the election simply because of the wave, that particular political moment. I don't know if Kathy Barnett is right for Pennsylvania. I don't know if Dave McCormick is right for Pennsylvania. I know Mehmet Oz is not right for Pennsylvania. does, I don't think he's even lived there up until the last few weeks. But there is a Republican battle brewing there. Elsewhere around the country, Mike Pence is endorsing Brian Kemp in his reelection bid for governor. And that is in direct opposition to Donald Trump, who had long endorsed David Perdue. But David Perdue seems to be fading out. Purdue's numbers keep dropping. There's been one outlier poll that shows him with a brief surge, but a lot of the polling, both public and private, seems to indicate that actually Brian Kemp is looking like he's surging and he'll win without it. He'll win the nomination for uh, his party without a runoff. Voting is already underway. The early voting is underway. The, the actual election day will be next week, I think. Next, a week or two. But... That is what's happening there. Donald Trump is pushing for candidates to challenge statewide elected Republicans in Georgia because he's not happy with the what he sees the lack of action done about voting voting issues and everything there. Trump is probably is right now batting probably about five hundred on nominations, and some of those he put a lot of his credibility on the line for. David Perdue is one. Mo Brooks, he lost credibility with because Brooks started tanking and he flipped on his nomination to actually the McConnell-endorsed candidate in the Alabama Senate race. He, he dropped his endorsement of Mo Brooks in Alabama, and that just kind of hits at the credibility a little bit. Uh, the last couple of midterm nights that we've had, uh, Trump has had, I think, two candidates who have won their nominations and one who lost. And in North Carolina, it looks like Trump could probably get another one uh, in in uh, Congressman Bud, who will win the Republican nomination there. But Trump is right now kind of batting about 500 on his nominations. The Republicans really, really need to make sure they are vetting the right people in their candidates as their candidates so they can make sure that they are doing what they can to get the right people into office because you're coming up on a point where the Democrats are um, the, the Democrats are not going to do well in November. We can, we can see that from the data. I've gone over that data with you constantly just about every day on the show, but the, the Republicans need to make sure that they have vetted the right candidates because they can run in 2022 just against the Democrats. That's all you've got to do. But after 2022, we're looking at a presidential cycle. And so the Republicans need a platform. And if their platform is being derailed 
by people who aren't really conservative or by people who are crazy and stealing the spotlight and are distracting from the Republican message, that's going to hurt them. And it could keep Democrats in power in the White House in two years. We're going to go ahead and take a break for our bottom of the hour news. When we come back, talking a little bit more about these issues across the country here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Uh, sorry. Uh, welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. I'm, I'm sorry. I was distracted uh, looking, trying to, to, to look at my stories. I, I put stories up on, on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Went to Facebook and uh, there was a, a cooking video that just popped up on the news feed. And it was onion rings, but instead of breading it in flour or breadcrumbs, it was wrapped in bacon and then fried, which seems like a tremendous idea that I'm going to have to try at some point in the near future. 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of the show. Um, real quick, just looking, again, because it's Friday, I know traffic uh, issues like to uh, exponentially increase on Fridays. I mentioned a vehicle accident on the 4600 block of Ambassador a little bit uh, a little while ago. Also, um, also on Ambassador, you've got a vehicle accident 2424 Ambassador Caffrey. Uh, an accident on West University uh, at West Simcoe and Northwest Evangeline at Goldman Street. There are some accidents on the board, so be sure that you are out there driving carefully. Yes, I know it's Friday. Yes, I know you want to get home, but please do be careful out there. Like I said, 232-1542 if you want to join in and be part of the conversation. Now, the reason I spent half an hour talking about the GOP Senate race in Pennsylvania and why I'm talking about what's going on in Georgia is because we need to look, again, at the issues that are currently driving this campaign. Now, any lunatic, and let's be clear, people who run for political office have some level, those higher political offices have some level of insanity to them. It's sometimes a good insanity, but insanity nonetheless. The people that you want to run for office are people who are substantive, who actually have the ability to go and and... and create some change, or at least stop the changes that the other side wants to implement. You, you want somebody who will fight, but fight smart, and be somebody who's actually sharing your ideology and actually will fight for the key issues. The big issues right now, as they have been for a while, are the economy. To a lesser extent, they're on foreign policy, the Ukraine stuff and even immigration. You also have some tertiary things like the education stuff. I spent a lot of time on the education stuff here in Louisiana yesterday, but there's some education issues out there that are really driving parents to the GOP side. Case in point, I shared this story on my Facebook page a little while ago. I'm just going to read the story. I hate reading directly from stuff, but it's important to get the context here. Middle school students under investigation. This is in Wisconsin. An investigation into three Keele Middle School students has been launched. The school district has filed a Title IX complaint against the students, accusing them of sexual harassment. And here's the, here's the important part here. Accusing them of sexual harassment for using incorrect pronouns when addressing another student. 
I received a phone call from the principal over at the elementary school for warning me, letting me know that I was going to be receiving an email with sexual harassment allegations against my son. Rosemary Rabideau said of uh, one of the parents of the students being accused said, I immediately went into shock. I'm thinking sexual harassment. That's rape. That's inappropriate touching. That's incest. What has my son done? Rabideau's 13 year old son, Braden is one of the three eighth grade Keel middle school students accused of sexual harassment, something that she disputes. The investigating principal said he's being allegedly charged with sexual harassment for not using proper pronouns. I thought it wasn't real. I thought it's got to be a gag, a joke. One has nothing to do with the other. According to the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, or Will, now defending the students, in March, one of their peers announced the pronouns they'd prefer to be addressed as, they, them. One of the alleged incidents Braden and the others were supposedly involved in happened in late April. The student had been screaming at one of Braden's friends to use proper pronouns, calling him profanity, and this friend is very soft-spoken, just kind of sunk down into his chair, Rabideau explained. Braden finally came up defending him, saying he doesn't have to use proper pronouns. It's his constitutional right to not use. You can't make him say things. Title IX sexual harassment, according to Will, typically covers things like rape, dating, violence, quid pro quo, sexual favors, really egregious stuff. Will, the group defending the students, is, a, is arguing that these are not even remotely involved in this case. So three middle school students in Wisconsin are being investigated for sexual harassment for not using someone's preferred pronouns. There is a reason that so many parents at so many school board meetings are getting so involved right now. Because they're seeing this stuff and they are seeing their kids being directly affected by it and they want to put a stop to it. You also have in the education world a lot of parents, a lot of parents, black, white, whatever, who really want to see more choice and opportunity in schools. And you know, Barack Obama, for all of his faults, his administration did work to increase charter school access across the country because the, the Obama administration understood that more opportunity directly impacts low-income minority families. More education opportunity gives those students a chance to succeed. But the Biden administration, as we have seen time and again over the coronavirus pandemic, has been very pro-teacher union. And the teachers' unions are violently against charter schools. This from uh, New York Magazine, The Intelligencer. Over the last decade, evidence has grown increasingly strong that public charter schools create better educational outcomes, especially for low-income minority students in cities. The question hovering over the Biden administration has been whether it will encourage and work with to improve charter schools, as the Obama administration did, or try to smother them as teachers, unions, and some left-wing activists have urged. This spring, the administration released new guidelines restricting the $440 million in annual federal funding for charter schools. The effect of these guidelines, and almost certainly subjective as well, is to choke off the growth of public schools. The Biden administration, basically, 
is trying to starve charter schools of money, reducing the access to a good education for students across the country, particularly low-income and minority students. And this is one of the things that is keeping black voters at home, if not shifting over to the GOP right now. These education issues are big in the black community because they have long watched their children stuck in poor, um, underserved districts that have really shown no effort to even try to improve their situation. 232-1542. We do have a caller on the line. Warren, we will get to you when we come back from this break. In the meantime, if you want to call in, please be sure to call in, be part of the conversation. We will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show in just a moment, right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the program. And uh, we do have a caller on the line. Warren, how are you today? Hey, how's it going, Joe? Doing pretty good. Listen, I wonder if you're aware there's one thing that has come down significantly in price since Joe Biden has been in office. What's that? It's cheaper to die. The cost of cremation has come down over 50 percent. Yeah, but wood is wood is uh, jumping up in price. So I'm not sure. I'm not I may have to go buy a bunch of charcoal to get that done because uh, you. Well, what they do it. They do it. Uh, they do it. Uh, Water. They use water now, so it's cheaper. But you know, we need to we need to put a bumper sticker out. We need to say, you know, we need to drug test our politicians now, and just say no to the vaccination extermination. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's very. You you're leading me to kind of where I was wanting to go with the the price of everything. And yeah, you're you're right. Uh, it, it is cheaper to die at this point. But we're we're really at this weird. Today has been a very weird moment in in the inflation and price wars. And Warren, thank you very much for the call. This this has been the weirdest day in terms of the inflation and, and price wars. The 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 formula shortages. Now I, I'm going to have uh, Scott Lincecum, who is uh, he is a trade expert. He uh, does a lot of work with the Cato Institute. He also uh, writes occasionally for the Dispatch. And he had a he had a piece out. I've linked it on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can find it there. There's a couple pieces on the baby formula shortage. But in a nutshell, uh, what these pieces are basically saying is we're at about 43% capacity in, in terms of being able to find formula on the shelves. A lot of your basic formulas you can still find, but there are a lot of folks who need the special niche uh uh, the special conditions, the conditional formula, the, the acid reflux formula, kids who have specific needs, things like that. You're, you're not finding that nearly as much. The problem is that there's so much government red tape that while the one of the primary uh, one of the primary companies that develops and distributes it, Abbott, uh, is still under investigation by the FDA, foreign uh, baby formula is being blocked by the U.S. government for labeling issues. That's, that's really it. It is the licensing and the regulation that comes from how foreign entities label their formulas that is causing the U.S. government to stop them at the border. You can find it if you go basically to the infant formula black market, but there's a struggle right now. And the Biden administ administration is blaming 
parents for hoarding formula. That was actually what Jen Psaki said yesterday in a press conference, in, in the daily press briefing. She said that parents who are hoarding the formula are really causing some of the issues. Now, when you have the price of gas going up again, you have a shortage on formula. And of course, when there's a shortage, that means prices go up as well. When you have record inflation, when you have uh, the, the stock market is, is not doing so hot, uh, for anybody who's into cryptocurrency, over a trillion dollars of value in cryptocurrency has been lost over the past several days. There's been a big crash there. A lot of people are more focused on this than the education issues I mentioned in the last segment. They are also more interested in this than whatever Joe Biden has to say about Ultra Maga Man or whoever that he was referring to in his speech the other day. You know, that line, by the way, uh, somebody was, uh, I forget which news outlet put this out, but uh, you can find, well, it'll be posted at Red State a little bit later, but the Biden administration worked with liberal groups to workshop ultra MAGA as the phrase they wanted to use in that speech. The White House initially said that Biden ad-libbed it. There's a new report coming out saying that, that they workshopped that one. They, they, they focus grouped that one. But you have these issues going on right now, and the Biden administration is out to lunch on it. And, I mean, we've had record high inflation for a, for a while now, and the Biden administration only a few days ago came out and, and talked about it as in a speech. What are they doing? Why, why are they wait? Why are they just reacting? And, and their reaction times are so long, so delayed. But the, pri- the, the prices and everything are out of control. The other thing, and this is just irritating a lot of people left and right, is that there are these folks who are, in, I guess, in trying to defend Biden, what they're saying is, why don't you just breastfeed? And it is, that is the most divisive thing I'm seeing on the internet, on, on social media right now, is like Bette Midler. Bette Midler is saying, well, just breastfeed. You can just, you know, breastfeed. You, you, it comes naturally. You can make it happen. And there are a ton of people on the left and right saying, uh, it doesn't work like that. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Just this, this, the insanity of this moment. And there's no real leadership at all from the White House to try to calm a lot of this craziness down. But there is good news out there. So I admit, I told you guys there was, I had some hesitancies about Florida going after Disney and the, uh, the, uh, the autonomy that Disney had over Disney World in Florida. I, I'm the the government getting involved one way or the other with private business like that always makes me wary. But it seems to have had a net positive effect. Netflix released a memo where they are now saying they will not censor specific artists or voices for cultural reasons. Here's, here's from, from the actual statement, and this is on the Netflix employment site. So this is actually company policy for employees. If you'd find it hard to support our content breadth, Netflix may not be the best place for you. The memo states, later adding that employees may be required to work on projects that they, quote, perceive to be harmful, and that if they have a hard time accepting their work assignment, they might want to consider working somewhere else. The corporations 
have now learned, thanks to Florida and Ron DeSantis, the cost of going full woke. And as a result, Netflix and some of these other companies are privately telling their employees, suck it up if you don't like it. At the same time, the Washington Post sends its reporters out to talk to 20 video game companies and ask why they haven't said anything about Roe versus Wade. Why would a video game company need to say anything about the possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned? What could possibly come out of a video game company's press release that would have any sort of impact or may or play any sort of role in the abortion debate? Nothing. But this kind of snitch journalism is what has led companies to do what Disney did, and Disney got smacked by Florida over it. And now Netflix and some of the others are like, you know, we're not going to do this sort of thing anymore. If you don't like that we're not being woke enough for you, just go work somewhere else. That's a net good. So even while all the other bad stuff is going on, it looks like the Democrats are losing this culture war they're launching. So on the education front, on the economic front, on the culture war front, the Democrats are just losing left and right. You guys have a fantastic weekend. Looks like rain might be rolling through, but in the meantime, enjoy your day, enjoy your weekend, and I'll talk to you guys again on Monday right here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL.